Remember the uh, scripture about the Proverbs 31 woman? You know, I hear some people say, oh yeah, she's a Proverbs 31 woman. And I want to talk just not much about her, but I'm going to bring up a scripture. As you think about this idea this morning about neglecting the poor, there's such thing as, as neglecting the poor. We might say neglecting the opportunity to help when we can or to do what we can when we can. And I want us to look at Proverbs 19, just as a reminder from last week in verse 17. It's one of the most powerful scriptures uh, when it comes to giving and helping others who have a need, where God says himself in verse 17, He who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he, God, will repay him for his good deed. It's one of those scriptures you can grab and hold on to and, and you can take it to the bank. That's not the motivation for giving, but thank God that he says, I acknowledge that you gave, and I'll make sure you have plenty. That woman in Proverbs chapter 31, in verse 19, there's something interesting that's stated about her. And I want to grab, if you will, verse 19 and verse 20. It says, she stretches out her hands to the distaff and to the needy. It's interesting that wherever you go when you're looking at the idea of, of righteousness and living for God and being set apart, that, that there's this scripture or idea that enters in, and that is helping others and not just focusing your wealth and your resources on yourself. Let me just sidetrack for just a quick moment, and then I'll bring it all together. Does this fit in with the topic of discussion for today? Well, let's listen to God as he speaks to us about a place called Sodom. You know Sodom. Genesis 18 and verse 20, And the Lord said, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great. And their sin is exceedingly grave, which has come to me. And if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Sodom has this They've got these sins, and it's exceedingly grave, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's bad. It's bad news. It's a bad, it's a bad place. And over in chapter 19, God has a resolution. And it's not a favored one uh, by many, but in verse 23, the sun had risen over the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and the valley and all the inhabitants of the city and what grew on the ground. But his wife from behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. It's interesting that in this text, as it talks about God overthrowing the city, there's this little caption in there that makes me say, let me take a deeper look at it. And the, the thought, maybe not caption, but a thought. And it says again, in all the valley, and all the inhabitants. So that's obviously, you know, all the land structures that they've built up in, in the city itself, and all the people that live in the land, and all that is living. But then the very end says, and what grew on the ground. So why is that even in there? Well, let's go over for just a moment to Ezekiel chapter 16, and let's try to gain a, a, another level of understanding of well, what is God talking about, and, and why is, is that part 
important with this understanding of what happened in Sodom. So, exit, uh, excuse me, Ezekiel chapter 16 in verse 46. The Bible starts to describe Samaria, as he calls it, and Sodom, and he gives us some information. Verse 46 says, Now your older sister is Samaria, who lives north of you with her daughters, and your younger sister, who lives south of you, is Sodom and her daughters. Yet you have not merely walked in their ways or done according to their abominations, but as, it were a too, as if that were too little, you acted more corruptly in all your conduct than they. As I live, declares the Lord God, Sodom, your sister, and her daughters have not done as you or your daughters have done. Behold, this is, was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease. You see that? But she did not help the poor. Wait. She and her daughters had arrogance, number one, abundant food, and careless ease, but she did not help the poor and needy. Thus they were haughty, committed abominations before me. Therefore, I removed them when I saw it. And so I know there's this focus on Solomon and Gomorrah, and we always preach sermons, Solomon and Gomorrah, Solomon and Gomorrah, homosexuality and lesbianism. Yes, of course, yes. Of course that was what happened there. That was a, but there were more sins than homosexuality and lesbianism and Solomon and Gomorrah and the reason for which God destroyed them. So Ezekiel's looking backwards, if you will, what grows on the ground. And then you go back to Genesis chapter 13, and let's think about, well, what exactly is going on? So the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of, of Abram at the time uh, had a dispute. Because the land just wasn't, it wasn't big enough to, to take care of both of them. And so there was an issue that went on. And then there was a discussion between Abram and Lot. And Abraham said to him, to Lot, hey, you choose wherever you wish and I'll go the other way. You go east, I'll go west. You go north and I'll, I'll go south, basically. And something happened in Genesis 13 in verse 10. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zoar. He looked over and said, you know, the problem is feeding the cattle, and, and you know what, and livestock and abundant food. And he looked over at Sodom, and he saw over there in the land of the Jordan, a place that had lots of food. And he says, that is where I'm going to move to. And then in the New Testament, in the book of Luke chapter 17, regarding the uh, abomination of desolation, God's destruction upon Jerusalem for their wickedness, God uses an, another example of, of Lot. And he says in Genesis chapter 17, in verse 25, but, he must, but first he must suffer many, speaking of himself, the son of man, must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it shall be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were 
being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on the day that the Lord went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. It's interesting, he goes back to Lot and he reminds us of Lot. Back to Genesis chapter 13, that you think about homosexuality and lesbianism. Quite a a few sins. They were arrogant. They were proud. They were fornicators. They had excess, idleness. And then they had contempt for the poor. In, In verse 13 of Genesis chapter 13, Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. Interesting, isn't it? That when you think about all that God is saying when he talks about their wickedness, it's not just the acts of of sodomy, it's not just the acts of homosexuality and lesbianism, but there's a whole slew of stuff in there. And one of those things, what we're talking about this morning Neglecting the poor. So here's what God appeals to us. Psalm, Psalm 92. We're different, right? As God's people, we recognize that all that we have comes from the Lord. We've been blessed by God, and God is the giver of good gifts, and God has given us or granted to us the blessings uh, that, we, that we have. Sometimes we become arrogant ourselves and believe that we ourselves are the reason for our success, and we forget to give all the glory to God. But it is God who has blessed us with the resources and, and has not uh, folded this country or uh, our jobs or whatever it may be in such a way to where our resources are removed or taken away. And we give thanks to God for that. God appeals to us to protect those who have a difficulty of protecting themselves or even, if you will, help those who have a need and not neglect them. In Psalm 82 and Verse 3, vindicate the weak and fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and destitute, rescue the weak and needy, deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. God rebuking unjustness, if you will, in our land through the Psalms. Interesting, in James, James talks about religion and he uses this idea, he's the only one that uses this idea of pure and undefiled religion. And it's interesting what he says pure and undefiled religion is. In James chapter 1, in verse 25, the Bible says, but one who looks at doer, this man should be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father. To visit orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. We don't necessarily have that opportunity necessarily to visit orphans and widows, but the idea is, it is lending a helping hand to those who are in distress. That 
keeping yourself unspotted from the world and, and, and making sure that you keep your tongue pure. That is pure and undefiled religion. Why would that be listed in that category of things? And then back to Proverbs for just a moment in chapter 31. And the verse is 9. Before we get to the woman, the Bible says, Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. That idea of the needy. There are people who are in desperate need of help today. Right. Next week we'll talk more about the world. Galatians chapter 2. There's this general appeal throughout the scriptures, both old and new, uh, for helping those who have a need or those who are in need. There's an appeal from God. So, Paul and Barnabas began their mission. And in beginning their mission, the Bible talks about the pillars, if you will, uh, Cephas or, or in, um, and Peter, Peter and John, if you will. And I want you to look at what, what James, Cephas, and John, Peter and John, James, Peter and John, said to Barnabas and Paul as they began their mission to the Gentiles. So Galatians chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. For he who effectually worked for Peter and his apostleship to the circumcised effectively worked for me also to the Gentiles. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They only asked us to remember the poor. The very thing I also was eager to do. I wonder if sometimes because we see it so often in, in the world on, on television. Remember growing up as, as a kid, um, I don't remember, UNICEF, remember that? And, and you, you know, you'd go as a little child, you'd get a little box and a milk crate of some sort, and you had a little place, you put a coin in there, and you go around door to door, and you try to collect money, and then you find out. I remember finding out as a kid, I remember doing that. I remember finding out as a kid, then the UNICEF organization took all the money, and it was a big scandal, it was a big issue, and it just... I know, that's the problem we have with money, because you know, well, you know, how is this person going to spend it, and how, is it really going to go where it's supposed to go, how do we get it to where it's supposed to get to, and blah, 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 and, and I know, but at some point, we have to have this thing called faith, right, in God, right, that regardless of what I think, I'm going to Luke chapter 14, that maybe my resources will be used uh, for the good, because God says so. And in Luke 14, in verse 12, this is what Jesus says. And by the way, I read an article um, um, uh, where it, it says Jesus didn't, it doesn't say Jesus doesn't care about the poor. It didn't say that. But what it said was Jesus nowhere taught us to, you know, take care of the poor. I was reading this article going, boy, I don't think you read the scriptures. <laughs> right? You didn't read the, from Genesis to the Revelation. We're talking about God, right? Anyway, I, it was interesting. I read that. Luke 14, verse 12. And he also went on to say to the one who had invited him right, to be a guest of honor. When you, have a, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives 
or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and repayment come to you. Well, what kind of dinner is that going to be, Lord? But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, Is that in your Bible? When you go home, go read that and see if that's in your Bibles too. Isn't that amazing that's in the Bible? And you, back to thinking about Proverbs 19, you, God will repay. And, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you for you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Oh, that's even considered a righteous act. Luke, um, Luke records by way of inspiration a message that I think sometimes we overlook. I, I might even ask the question, even of myself, when's the last time you invited that group to a feast? See, we had a problem. One problem we had was, okay, let's, let's try to invite, you know, some well, they don't have a way to get there, so you kind of have to bring the food to them in a way. It's kind of an interesting logistical thing. How do you fulfill that passage, though, if you desire it? Proverbs 21 and verse, verse 13. The, the Bible says, He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself. one day, I guess, and, and not be heard or not be answered. So, preacher, sure you're trying to guilt us? Absolutely not. I'm trying to bring to our attention, right, something that's important in our walk of faith. It's not just being kind, right? It's not, it's not just walking for Christ in a way of, of showing good fruits in the sense that we do things that bring honor to God and we come to worship and we, and, and praise God for that and we, go to work and we're honorable people and we're upstanding people. But there's another layer to our Christian walk of faith that sets us apart, makes us uniquely different from the rest of the world. And the problem that most people have with this topic of worldwide hunger or, or, or hunger in your own communities, in our own neighborhoods, is it's one of those topics that, that reaches into our pockets, right? You know, it, it requires money to do some of these things. And, and, you know, people don't like preachers preaching about money, right? One time I heard someone say, the reason I don't go to church is because it costs too much, right? You ever seen that little clip? It's that one, the guy's baptized, and he holds his wallet up out of the water. Give everything, and the preacher says, everything that goes under the water belongs to Jesus, and he holds the wallet up, right? <laughs> Not this. So it's one of those things where, you know, Jesus says when you are, are praying, go into your inner sanctuary, your closet, and pray, and, and the God who, who sees in secret will, you know, will. And if you're going to give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. You know, it's not something we publicize and we throw out to the world. Hey, look at me. That would be a sin, wouldn't it? God says you've received your reward already. Mankind has already rewarded you and said, great job, and patted you on the back. But this is one of those things that you do on your own. We could do it collectively. We can obviously have organized opportunities, but 
What are you doing individually when it comes to helping the poor? It's interesting, right? In Matthew 26, it's interesting, if you, if you think about the conversation that, that is, is going on, um, that Jesus demonstrated all kinds of help for the fortunate, or less fortunate, should I say. And in going into the resurrection scene in Matthew 26, beginning at verse, at verse 6, Jesus is anointed. And in verse 6 says, now when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster vial, a very costly perfume, and she poured it upon his head and he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this and they said, why this waste? Obviously, they didn't understand anything about what she was doing. But it's interesting, the conversation piece that comes after the thought. We've just wasted all this money in this ointment, if you will. In verse 9, for this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. Oh. We could have done some other things with that money than waste it, if you will, anointing Jesus. Interesting. And then, and then on another occasion, John chapter 13, uh, you find about verse 27, after Jesus teaches this great lesson of washing the disciples' feet, and we get down to verse 27. This is regarding Judas. And after the morsel, Satan then entered into him. And Jesus therefore said to him, what you do, do quickly. Now, no one of, the, of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose Jesus, or he had said to this to him. For some was opposing because Judas had the money box that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things we have need of for the feast, or else that he should give something to the poor. So did Jesus practice giving to the poor? obviously, right, they were really comfortable with that. That's what Jesus did. And I want to be like Jesus, right? You can give everything to the poor, but giving something to the poor. Matthew chapter 25. Can I make a difference in, in one person's life? That, that's, not, that's not my goal. I don't think that should be any of our, our goals necessarily to make a difference in one person's life. I think our goal should be to put a smile on God's face. That's what the goal should be. The goal should be help me to be like Jesus. And in every act, in every aspect of life, right, in walking with God, how can I be like Jesus? Right? And, and I want to be like Jesus. In every way. Right? And I'm going to fall short, but man, can, can I get some things right? Is there something I can focus on? Is there something I, yeah, there's a lot that we can do to be like Jesus. And one of those things, as we're studying in this context, is helping those who are less fortunate than we. In Matthew 25, isn't it interesting that he, he tells us this, this parable about the judgment scene. And, and in the parable, in the judgment scene, there's this, this caption where the king's asking these questions and there's this conversation that happens. And, and Jesus, obviously God is a king. But in this, the king will say to those on his right, come, verse 34, 
You who are blessed by my Father, or of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And, what's, and what does he start out with? For I was, I was hungry. You know, when Jesus sent the uh, disciples out, he sent out 70,000, and, and Matthew uh, records it, Matthew 10, I believe it is. And he says, you go from house to house, don't carry your money bag, don't, you know, don't, don't carry, change your clothing. You just go from house to house and house. And the house that gives you a bidding, you know, you go in and you teach them God, et cetera, et cetera. They, they didn't even carry extra food. They were expected to be, to be cared for by the community. I think that the teaching is, I think you'll agree with me on this, the Bible teaching is we have a responsibility to humanity. Who is my neighbor? I'll let you answer that question. Who is my neighbor? For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. The converse is the second group, right? I was hungry, and you walked away from me. <laughs> you didn't give me anything to eat. I was, I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. The converse, the others didn't. They just... Go be filled, be warm. I was a stranger and you in, invited me. And it's just interesting how God is, is trying to tell us something. He's trying to teach us something. He's trying to teach us how to no longer be, use this big word here, selfish. We learned in, you know, in kindergarten, they'd say, okay, share your cookies. You know, right? Jesus said something like, if you, have a, if you have two cloaks, you have one cloak, give one away. Now, what, what can I do and I'm not, I'm not trying to be standing before you righteous. I'm saying, hey, I've got many, many cloaks, if you will. I have some change. I have money in my pocket. Well, not really, but I have money. Some, my wife has. Anyway, I've got some money, right? I'm, and, and, I've, and I know, I'm not, I understand. I, I'm just like you. I'm just trying to bring to our attention some things that God wants us to see. So phase one is, is reaching out to those members who, who are astray, and we're still doing that phase. We're still participating in that phase all the way through the end of the year. Right? Hopefully we'll just keep doing it, right? Just keep trying to reach out to those that you know. When you look around and you look to the pew and, or the chair next to you and you see, hey, you know, so-and-so used to sit here. Maybe you ought to give that person a call. Now we're in the phase two. We're talking about alleviating human suffering, something that Jesus wants us to do, something that God wants us to do I mean, within our means and within our ability. Everybody can give something, even if it were a quarter. Everybody can do something. And then we'll get into phase three and we'll just try to bring to our attention those things that maybe we don't discuss often because it's not a very comfortable topic. Speaking of which, let me close with this thought with you. The next week I'm going to have some pictures on the board that you may not appreciate. I would invite you, and, and maybe I should have talked to the elders first about this, but I would invite you to maybe have your children go somewhere else if you don't want them to see. But I want us to see the reality of what we're talking about. Some of which I've seen, some of which you've seen, maybe personally. And maybe it's just going to be a reminder. But I want you to see really what the world lives like in comparison to the way we live. It's one of those things where you don't see it, you don't really think about it. But I wanted to bring your to your attention exactly what God is talking about. Something far more, uh, something deeper, right? Something deeper than just maybe what we see in America. And then we'll go into another part of that phase, and that is going to be a Jerusalem project where we'll 
I'm going to ask you, if you like, to participate in some way. Give some extra money. Remember last week we talked about your offering. Don't, don't take from what you're supposed to give to the church. But maybe instead of buying two bags of chips, maybe buy one and bring that $4.95. You know how many people you'll feed with $4.95? Wow, that's a lot. We'll talk about that, Lord willing, next week. So I'm giving you a heads up. But if you don't mind them seeing it, then bring them. Right? You, I, I'm just letting you know that right now. The lesson today, though, is yours. Is there something that was said today to just kind of stimulate my mind to just want to take that, that extra step, maybe even, even that extra layer with brethren you may know, a brother or sister who's hurting right now. Maybe you can reach out to them somewhere in the lower 48, up here, wherever it may be. Maybe you know someone. Maybe, maybe you know someone. Maybe you know, maybe you know someone. But here's what God does for us. We all have a need, and it's a need for the soul to be saved. And only God can do that, and he's willing to do it. And today, if you're not a Christian, we invite you to surrender to God in the waters of baptism. Today, if you're struggling in your walk of faith and we can help in any way, we ask that you'll make that known. If if there's anything we can do to help you, because that's what God wants us to be, helpers of one another, please stand while together we sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come? upon your ear sweet his cry of love and peace